Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, episode 203. So I wanted to do something a little different this week. I got to thinking how big that clash between Sam Harris, Ben Affleck, and Bill Maher uh, on Real Time with Bill Maher that happened a couple of years ago, how big that became, uh, the kind of ripple effect it had online. And all of a sudden I recalled that, hey, I did an episode on that debacle right after it happened. And I thought it'd be kind of interesting if I went back in time. I remember, I think last week I was asking if anyone had a potion of eternal youth or um, a time machine. Well, now I guess, figuratively at least, we're going to hop in the time machine and go all the way back to October of 2014. Two years ago, when I was younger and prettier, and the world was ruled by cybernetic teddy bears. Actually, that last part might not be true. Um, That might be some kind of flashback thing. I don't think I've ever done this before, so I want to do a a response to one of my own uh, videos, or um, one of my own audio episodes, rather. So this could get pretty meta. I always cringe when other people say meta, now I'm saying it. But what I think is really going to make this interesting is that back two years ago, I wasn't even aware of the majority of the atheist YouTube content creators that I now listen to or watch rather regularly. So in a sense, this would have been my take on this kind of brouhaha. There's another word that I cringe when other people say it, (laughs) but for lack of a better word, that took place on real time with Bill Maher that's kind of unpolluted by the opinions of other YouTube atheists. This is before I was in the habit of watching The Amazing Atheist or Atheist Rue or any of these other people. So this is just pure Phil Albertelli. And there I am referring to myself in the third person. Another thing that I cringe when other people do it. So I'm just going to play the original clip and be forewarned. Uh, I think my audio quality has improved significantly since the old days of the podcast. After all, it took me about three years to realize how to use my microphone correctly. Uh, The Blue Yeti microphone is a side address microphone, despite how it may look. And I spent the first two or three years of the podcast talking directly in to the top of the damn thing. Uh, So I've been using my microphone correctly, and I've also been using some acoustical foam. So I think the... The audio quality, although it's still not superb, I think it has improved markedly since the old days. So as my friend uh, Shelby, a professional radio personality and DJ, uh, pointed out regarding my old episodes, it kind of sounds like I'm inside a wind tunnel. So uh, please bear with me. So I'll play the clip now and I'll interrupt whatever the heck it is Phil from the past is saying uh, when Phil from the present. Uh, wants to chime in and add his two cents. And there I go, third person again. Ugh, douche chills. Okay, but here we go. So I have a lengthy clip. Uh, It's actually an excerpt from the most recent episode of Real Time with Bill Maher. I was watching uh, this past Friday, and um, I watch Real Time with Bill Maher religiously, no pun intended, But I noticed it's kind of been a while since I've really been riveted by an episode. And I knew this was going to be kind of controversial or or might find its way into the news. 
but I didn't know it was going to blow up this big. Bill had Sam Harris and uh, Ben Affleck were both on. And things got a little heated, a little awkward, or uh, ugly. So if you're listening to this podcast, I'll assume that there's probably a good chance you already know who Sam Harris is. Sam Harris uh, has been referred to as one of the four horsemen of new atheism. You know, Wasn't that funny, Dawkins. Phil? Why the hell am I heckling myself? Hitchens, one of my personal heroes. Um, philosopher Daniel Dennett and Sam Harris. Sam Harris is the youngest of the horsemen. Uh, he's an author of a number of successful books like uh, The End of Faith and Letter to a Christian Nation. Um, he just released a new book. And this is horrible. I can't even remember the name of it. Oh, okay. It's called, uh, it's called Waking Up. Uh, yeah, I just purchased it the other day off of uh, iTunes or iBooks, uh, to be precise. Oh, my God. Why am I bouncing a basketball? Um, and the book Waking Up is about how to pursue, quote-unquote, spirituality without religion. Uh, I could do a whole hour show, at least, about that. Uh, way back, I did a show, I did an episode entitled Atheism and the Transcendent. And uh, it's ba- and basically the gist of that episode and the gist of Sam Harris's book is that there's a range of experience that all of us, or at least most of us have, that we usually term to be spiritual. Uh, you know, all of us probably have kind of moments of Zen where we kind of let the ego go and just lose ourselves in the present moment. You know, moments of bliss. Wasn't I talking about this last week? Transcendence, moments where we feel one with nature, moments when we feel kind of intoxicated by art, music, poetry, uh, things like that. All things that people might sometimes label as spiritual, but could probably just as easily be attributed to the brain, to uh, neurobiological uh, phenomena. And it's one of the things I've always loved about Sam Harris is uh, I think where a lot of atheists will very rarely talk about mysticism or spirituality. Um, Sam Harris is also a neuroscientist, by the way. Ugh, God, who I don't believe in. That was a horrible edit. I still do those sometimes. I leave like half a breath in and it sounds very sharp and awkward. Like, <laughs> anyway. But he's someone who's experimented with psychedelic drugs, who's delved really deeply into things like meditation and uh, Eastern mysticism and things like that. And so I've always liked that uh, about Sam Harris. And, and I think it goes to show that um, religious people don't have a monopoly on those quote-unquote spiritual experiences. The only difference is probably they say those things come from God we would probably say they come from the brain. Yeah, <laughs> but they're still vital, rich experiences. But anyway, Sam Harris was on there to talk about his new book. What was that? Book. Book. Ugh. And Ben Affleck was on there. I think he was plugging Gone Girl or whatever. And Ben Affleck's been on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher a couple times before. And I know it's a kind of continuing theme that usually when he's on, at some point he'll jump to the defense of religion when, uh, you know, Bill does his uh, usual sarcastic criticism of uh, religion or whatever. And um, 
So Bill Maher recently caught some flack for some comments he made about Islam. I forget what the exact comments were. I think it's pretty common for him to criticize Islamic extremists on the show. So I probably didn't think it was a big deal when he made the original comments. It's probably the show before last. But he did catch some flack and author... Reza Aslan, who I'm also a fan of. Oh, damn. It's amazing how much can change in two years. Uh, not so much of a Reza Aslan fan anymore. Or Aslan. Is Aslan the lion from that, uh, I almost said Louis C.K. C.S. <laughs> Lewis, rather. Uh, his Chronicles of Narnia uh, books or whatever. I do have to admit, though, back when it first came out, I did buy Reza Aslan's um, book, Zealot. And I actually do like his writing style. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him that much. Uh, he has a way with the written word. Um, I don't know if Reza Aslan believes literally in uh, Islam or any other uh, religion. I think he, w he was born into a Muslim family, converted to Christianity, grossly exaggerated his academic credentials. And I think he may have converted back to Islam. Uh, but he's also a, he's a biblical scholar. Is he? I'm not even sure anymore after all the fallout regarding, um, how he supposedly padded his academic credentials. Okay, I'm back through the magic of editing. I just wanted to quickly look this up. Numerous sites say that he does have a BA in religion from Santa Clara University. Um, but I guess where... The controversy arises is uh, supposedly he's claimed numerous times to have a PhD in history and Western religions. And he used to refer to himself as a quote unquote professor of religion when in fact he is or was an associate professor in, creative, in the creative writing program at the University of California, Riverside. And his PhD is in sociology and not, quote-unquote, history of religions. And that's pretty much what I've heard before. And I just found that information on Pathios. Uh, yeah, it was a Pathios article dating back to August 13th, 2015 by Dan Arrell, it looks like. Okay. I'm actually a fan of David Pakman. Uh, I, I almost called him Pac-Man. David Pakman. And he has some really riveting videos that he's done, uh, kind of takedowns on Reza Aslan regarding his uh, academic credentials, regarding his quote-unquote facts or statistics regarding female circumcision, etc. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, you can just go to David Pakman's YouTube channel and do a search for Reza Aslan, I imagine. Uh, he recently wrote a book. Uh, I still haven't gone around to finishing it. It's actually a really well-written book. I've just kind of been procrastinating. Uh, but it's a book called Zealot, and it's Aslan's kind of controversial take on the historical Jesus and how he thinks the historical Jesus might have been more of a kind of zealot or freedom fighter or political activist in a way than, than most people uh, traditionally think or assume. But uh, Reza Aslan is actually, uh, coincidentally, he's debated Sam Harris before. You can actually go on YouTube and find uh, Reza Aslan debating Sam Harris. And although I don't think that 
uh, Reza is a literal believer. I do think he has a love for religion in general, and uh, he often comes to the defense of Islam when he feels that people are being Islamophobic or lumping all of Islam in with uh, radical extremists. So Reza was on CNN last week to talk about Bill Maher's comments, I think, and he ended up getting into a kind of heated debate with uh, Allison Camerata, who I believe used to be on Fox News, now she's on CNN, and Don Lemon. And uh, I actually, I sided with Reza Aslan, and I thought he did a great job of using reason, facts, and statistics to back up his views. Ha! I wonder if those are the same uh, statistics and quote-unquote facts that David Pakman and others have now debunked. Very strange to see how my uh, worldview has kind of evolved in the, in the last two years. So anyway, w w while Sam Harris was on the show, Bill Maher decided to bring up the topic of radical Islam and what, if any, systemic kind of flaws there might be in Islam as a whole that maybe tends to breed extremism or fanaticism or that leads to the oppression of uh, women, homosexuals, etc. And Sam Harris has caught some flack for his views on Islam as well. I definitely don't think that Sam Harris is a bigot or anything like that. Me neither. Oh wait, we're the same person. Or philosophically speaking, are we? And I think he explains his points really well. And, and I, I think one of the points he brought up is that right off the bat that he thinks that maybe some liberals kind of have this double standard where it's all right to criticize Christianity. And as an atheist, Sam Harris doesn't have a problem criticizing any religion, and he's criticized Christianity plenty. But I think it's kind of a double standard where, like... Um, Perhaps people on the left, and I would call myself maybe an independent who leans left. I, I, I lean left uh, pretty hard on social issues like gay marriage, uh, legalization of pot, things like that. Oh, Phil from 2014, so naive. Lil, did you know that in the December of 2015, you'd end up taking a huge bong hit while weaning off of antidepressants and nearly losing your mind? Uh, still for the legalization of pot, though. But he says that, like, liberals might criticize Christianity and still bring up things like abortion clinic bombings from the 80s. Um, but if someone applies that same type of critical analysis to Islam, then you're, consider then you're considered Islamophobic or whatever. And uh, right off the bat, I mean, Ben Affleck was just incredibly kind of hostile rude and condescending. He basically accused Sam Harris and Bill Maher of having views that were quote-unquote gross and racist. And who knew that would become a meme? Still, still going strong two years later. He kept interrupting. And even when other panelists, like there was, I think, uh, a kind of liberal columnist was on there and also former uh, GOP chairman Michael Steele was on there. And they were, were both more sympathetic to Ben Affleck's point of view. And even when one of them was talking, Ben Affleck was just like rubbing his face and looked like he was ready to 
explode like a volcano. I think someone speculated jokingly that maybe he was juicing for his role as Batman. That, that might explain all that seething anger. But, of course, that is pure speculation. And we, Phil from the past and the present, shall not be a party to hair, say. Why am I cracking myself up? This is crazy. And uh, he just came across as very rude and inconsiderate and, uh, and seemed to lack any kind of respect for his fellow panelists, both those on his side of the argument as well as Bill Maher and Sam Harris. And he's being very uh, sarcastic. Like I said, like right off the bat, I think uh, Sam Harris was talking about how he thinks there is that liberal kind of double standard, uh, even though Sam Harris himself is probably uh, liberal uh, on a lot of issues. Um, but one thing I love about Sam Harris is that he's his own person. You know, I don't really think he has a certain political affiliation. He just uses his reason and calls it like he sees it. And he explains his views in a very thoughtful and calm, even-tempered, well-thought-out way. So if he thinks there's a double standard with liberals, he'll say there's a double standard with liberals, even though he himself is probably liberal in a lot of ways. But maybe uh, Ben Affleck identifies as liberal, and that rubbed him the wrong way from the get-go. And he he made a couple really kind of catty, sarcastic remarks. Um, And when... Sam Harris good-naturedly tried to differentiate between um, criticizing a man-made religious doctrine and um, and criticizing someone for their ethnicity or, or their race. And I hate that word, race. I think there's only one human race. We're all the same species, you know? Yep, even back then, those were my views on race. And poor Phil from the past had no idea that soon after that, he was going to find himself in a hell of a shitstorm over those views on race. Um, hey, not easy being me. But uh, Sam Harris said something along the lines of, there are genuinely people out there who are bigoted against um, Muslims as people. And I think Ben Affleck said something like, oh, that's very big of you, or something sarcastically. But it was awful. And uh, I-, I thought one of the main flaws in... Ben Affleck's thinking was that he did continually equate being critical of Islam as a religion with being racist. And he used this example that it's like if you called someone and this is this is uh, and these are his words, not mine. If you called someone a shifty Jew or something like that. And just recently on the show, I've talked about some of the ugly anti-Semitic stereotypes that have uh, arisen through the ages and how we've seen that kind of culminate in what may very well be the worst atrocity in human history, the, um, the Holocaust perpetrated by Nazi Germany in World War II. You know, I talked about those kind of grotesque caricatures you would see in Nazi propaganda posters and things like that. But Judaism is, is, is interesting. I think, uh, in a way... Apparently had a penchant for being long-winded and meandering even back then. Let's see where this goes. Judaism as a religion is so interwoven with Jewish ethnicity that it's hard to separate the two. You could call someone ethnically Jewish, and you could also say they're Jewish by religion. Of course, you can convert to Judaism, but for the most part, 
Judaism is the religion of a specific ethnic group. But I think the difference is a lot of atheists and people who are critical of religion uh, will often criticize the Old Testament, which is essentially the Hebrew Bible. They'll criticize the Torah. To me, you can criticize the Torah without being anti-Semitic. You know, you, you can say, I find the flood story morally offensive. I find stories of genocide in the Bible offensive. I find legal prescriptions about uh, killing unruly children or um, stoning women to death for adultery offensive. And if you're listening and you're a believer and you think uh, some of the examples I'm using are far-fetched or exaggerated, um, I would check out Leviticus, check out numbers for yourselves. There's things in there about when it's all right to stone people. Um, there's plenty of things in there about when people should be killed for witchcraft or sorcery, when people should be killed uh, for adultery, when people should be killed for disrespecting their parents, etc. And there's a lot of nasty violence in the Old Testament too, whether we're talking about um, the treatment of the Midianites, the Amalekites, um, the, all the morally offensive violence that takes place in the book of Joshua. But obviously, as I've said before, though, you can name almost any religion. If I'm familiar with it, I, I can find aspects about it that I like. And of course, there are bits of the Bible that are also inspirational, dare I say, beautiful, um, that contain kind of moral truths. But there's a lot of ugly stuff in there, too. And I think it's the same with the Quran. And I've read some surahs. I probably meant ayats or verses. I think this is before I understood that a surah is basically a whole chapter. On the show not that long ago, when I, I did a couple of different episodes, uh, one was about Islam and slavery. And another I did recently was about whether or not Islam uh, or the Quran uh, specifically condones uh, beheading. And that was in response to all the recent stories about uh, the terrorist uh, beheadings perpetrated by the militant group ISIS. Uh, this must have been before I went back and started to read the Quran again and realized how dry the text was. Or after I realized that my favorite verse, or what was my favorite verse, about how if you kill someone, it's as if you murder the world, uh, actually seemed to be aimed mostly at the Jews, and there was prescriptions about crucifixion right under it. Been in the news of late. And just like the Bible, there's contradictions in the Quran. There's parts that really shine and offer examples of humanity and wisdom. Eh, maybe, maybe not, honestly. And I'm not just saying this to try to fall in line with the anti-Muslim sentiment that uh, has become so popular among YouTube atheists, etc. Just last week, for instance, I talked about some of the things I like about various religions, and I talked about the poetry of Rumi, but in fairness, most of the things I listed are kind of... Um, tangentially related to religion. They're not things that have to do with the dogma or the text. And when I went back and started to reread the Quran, I say reread, which would seem to imply that I once read the whole thing through, which I, I never have read the entirety of the Quran, but I had read bits and pieces in the past. I had stumbled upon different quotes. Um, but 
when I went back and really tried to read the Quran through, I found stuff that was troubling. Once again, not necessarily picking on Islam, but stuff similar to what uh, we might find in the Bible, these kind of stern prohibitions and these kind of uh, oppressive and uh, outdated anachronistic ideas. Uh, I didn't really read that much that struck me as inspirational or that touched me like the poetry of Rumi does. And there was a lot of stuff that I just found downright disturbing. And maybe, you know, looking in retrospect through a modern lens, uh, I couldn't help but to be reminded of the modern horrors of ISIS. Um, as I just uh, alluded to, um, there's that verse that I used to find really inspirational. You'd hear it quoted a lot, especially by Muslim apologists, so to speak, how if you murder or kill one person, it's such a grave sin. It's as if you murdered all of humanity or all of the world. And if you save one person, it's such a good and beneficent act. It's as if you saved all of humanity. Uh, and it's kind of used to illustrate the importance, the emphasis that the Quran or Islam puts on the value of human life. And yet, sadly, when you read it in context, paying attention to the preceding and the following verses, it actually seems to be addressed to the people of the book, uh, specifically the Jews, um, and kind of almost you could interpret it as they're being held possibly to a higher standard. Um, and, and it follows that by talking about how the penalty for transgressions, possibly transgressions by the people of the book, possibly, you know, for, um, I don't know if it's murder or if it was something less. I don't have the, the verses right in front of me. I did a whole episode uh, ab about this a while back. But the legal prescription, the punishment, was crucifixion. And, and there are parts of the Quran that do talk about striking off the heads or, and, the, and or the fingertips of infidels. And I don't know if I mention it later in this episode, but how some apologists will try to argue that it, it probably just refers to a particular battle, the Battle of Badr, and isn't necessarily to be taken as a prescription for how to deal with non-believers in general. But when you read this stuff about the cutting off of heads and crucifixion, you can't help but to be reminded about the grisly horrors of ISIS and just how, if you take these prescriptions literally, if you take these texts literally, just how ugly and horrific and morally repugnant the results or the outcome can be. So yeah, I mean, uh, I love Islamic uh, calligraphy, uh, the architecture, you know, the, the minarets, even like Sam Harris, maybe the haunting beauty of the call to prayer, the poetry of Rumi. But if I sit down with the Quran, I honestly can't find much to like about it. And that's not me trying to uh, pig pile on, on Islam or Muslims. I'm just giving my honest opinion. And it's the same where if I sit down and try to 
read the Old Testament from beginning to end, it gets really tough around the time of the genealogies. And some of the stories, like the story of Cain and Abel, I find moving in a way. But as I mentioned earlier, the story about the flood, basically global genocide, because God uh, got fed up with his own creation and, and the flawed nature, which apparently, uh, I mean, if you're going to complain about the flawed nature of something, some of the onus has to fall on the creator, I would think. Uh, that would logically and morally seem to uh, make sense. But I'm back through the magic of editing, and I actually found the verse that follows right on the heels about that other one, about how, you know, if you murder one person, it's if you murder the whole world and all that. And it's uh, Surah 5, Ayat 30, is this still? Yes, yeah, 33. Indeed, the penalty for those who wage war against Allah and his messenger and strive upon earth to cause corruption is none but they be killed or crucified, or their hands and feet be cut off from them, or cut off from opposite sides, rather, or that they be exiled from the land. That is for them a disgrace in this world, and for them in the hereafter is a great punishment. And that's not coming from some rabid anti-Muslim um, website. I think this is a, essentially probably something like the equivalent of... Uh, the Quranic version of Bible Hub or something. It's the Quran.com and it has the original Arabic and then the English translation. But yeah, here's a uh, present Phil being long-winded. Let's get back to past Phil. Mercy. And then there's parts that seem archaic and barbaric. So it's a mixed bag. I think obviously, it's, to me, it's an easy answer why religious texts are morally mixed bags. It's because they're man-made. And so back on the, uh, man, am I digressing uh, a lot today. But anyway, back on the topic of that episode of Real Time with Bill Maher. And it's not that I don't think that Ben Affleck might have had a kind of kernel of a valid point. Um, I do think that sometimes certain atheists can demonize religion too much. And that, um, I mean, to my favorite people, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins, sometimes they may come off to some people as if they have a chip on their shoulder, uh, specifically, uh, again, especially against Islam. And maybe when you listen to them talk, it does sound like they're not just holding extremists accountable, but they're holding Islam as a faith accountable for the uh, extremist violence that we see in the news as well as things like the, uh, you know, the oppression of uh, women and homosexuals. Um, wow, am I about to do a takedown of myself? Does my voice sound a little uh, deeper? I'm recording this over the span of two days, and I literally just got up out of bed. Uh, I was at a party last night. <clears throat> okay, but anyway, so it sounds like past Phil has a problem with how some prominent atheists that he likes and still likes, uh, Dawkins and Harris, according to him in the past, seem to sometimes demonize the whole religion instead of just the extremists. But if these problematic ideas and notions, these examples of violence, 
are found in the text themselves, then I don't think there's nothing wrong with criticizing the text or the religion as a whole. And the strange thing is, I think these are sentiments I would have agreed with back then. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if maybe I wasn't expressing myself well or the words weren't coming out right or uh, I had a momentary lapse of reason. But anyway, and personally, I might agree with a lot that they have to say. Um, I think there's some ground to stand on in that regard, because like I just said, um, there might be some good things in the Quran and the Bible, some inspirational things, uh, glimpses of humanity and wisdom. Um, but there is also a lot of barbarism, kind of outdated prescriptions for draconian or heavy-handed jurisprudence uh, or various forms of capital punishment, etc. So that for those who do want to perpetrate violence, they probably wouldn't have a hard time finding um, verses or surahs to uh, try to justify their actions. But it gets, in fairness, it gets really complicated because you can take that one part of the Quran that speaks about striking the necks of the enemy or the infidels and um, killing all those who won't convert. And uh, you might think that sounds pretty damning. But at the same time, there's scholars who say that's in reference to a specific battle. I believe it's the Battle of Badr, B-A-D-R. And um, so those might have been extreme measures that were meant to be resorted to in one specific military battle. To me, in retrospect, this still kind of smacks of apologetics because whatever, whichever way you cut it, your holy book is still kind of glorifying instances of beheading or mutilating your enemies, not the kind of enlightened, high-minded, pacifistic stuff we would hope to hear promoted by the creator of the universe if he, she, or it did exist and decide to reveal themselves through a text. Unless the creator of the universe is some ghoulish cosmic vampire that loves human carnage, I guess that's always one possibility. I hope not. And obviously I gave other examples, or at least one other example earlier, of where the promotion of brutal violence occurs in other places in the Quran. Namely, in those verses I read, following that lovey-dovey stuff about how if you kill one person, it's as if you have killed all of mankind or whatever. And, and to me, from the beginning of this podcast, the way I've always kind of tried to differentiate myself from some more perhaps uh, traditional or stereotypical atheists is that I'm less personally concerned, uh, and perhaps it's selfish in a way, um, less personally concerned with what evils religion may or may not cause socially or globally or how much of an impetus is religion for things like war and oppression extremist violence and how much of that is just good old human tribalism to me i think i've always been more preoccupied personally with trying to get to the truth of whether or not the claims of religion are true or not uh, is there an afterlife? Is there a God? I've always been haunted by those big questions. But personally, my pet cause has never really been trying to uh, 
go after religion for whatever it may or may not have to do with the world's troubles. And of course, maybe I'm being a little uh, contradictory or hypocritical because I do often cover stories on this show uh, that have to do with religious hypocrisy or th that offend me uh, morally. Maybe stories about like Christian scientists who, um, not scientists who happen to be Christian, but Christian scientists, <laughs> people who believe that it's sinful to uh, resort to modern medicine and that you, if you have a terminally ill child or something like that, you should simply pray for them to get better, even if they're dying right before your eyes and they can be saved by modern medicine. Yeah, so I do often try to uh, point out religious hypocrisy or point out instances where religious beliefs uh, prove harmful. But I've never been really invested in the uh, criticism of Islam as much as, say, like Richard Dawkins or uh, Sam Harris. And things get even more complicated when, as a lot of people have pointed out, you know, not all Islamic nations are created equal, figuratively speaking. Some Islamic nations are more conservative than others. Uh, some are more secular. Turkey is known as being a relatively secular country. I think even Turkey now has a problem with the creeping presence or infringement of religious fundamentalism. More instances of women wearing traditional Muslim garb, their heads covered, etc. I think that's what's going on, isn't it? I know either way, Turkey's been dealing with a lot of strife lately. Uh, that attempted coup and ongoing uh, terrorist attacks perpetrated by ISIS, etc. But anyway, back to this drowsy know-it-all from the past. Whereas uh, Saudi Arabia is known for being more religious and having far more extreme uh, legal penalties for offenses that go against the faith, so to speak. And we've all heard awful stories of about uh, people being beheaded, whipped in public, uh, etc., for offenses against Islam uh, in Saudi Arabia. And some people will say things like clitoridectomies, you know, female genital mutilation, that that's an Islamic practice. But as Reza Aslan was talking about, it seems to be more of an African practice or more of a cultural thing than a religious thing. Well, I've already addressed my changing opinion of Reza Aslan and some of his claims. And my take on this now is even if you could argue that there was a cultural pre-Islamic precedent for female genital mutilation in certain Islamic areas, as soon as you start doing it in the name of Islam, it becomes an Islamic practice. If you're continuing to practice female genital mutilation, no matter where it came from originally, because in your mind or in your culture, you have it tied to ideas of Islamic purity, etc., then by default, it becomes an Islamic practice. You point out that there's even African Christian societies, non-Muslim uh, non societies that practice female genital mutilation. I might be referring to Eritrea there. Uh, and man, did I get off track. When am I going to start talking about Sam Harris and uh, Ben Affleck again? On the one hand, there are Muslim countries where women are 
really oppressed. Where you, know, you can't drive, um, you can't be seen with a male in public who isn't uh, a close relative. Um, where we find honor killings and that, and that's another thing. Supposedly, honor killings—that's kind of a point of contention. Are honor killings Islamic or are honor killings um, cultural? And that's another thing I think Reza Aslan, as well as Cenk Uger from the Young Turks. Who... Oh, Jesus, citing uh, Reza Aslan and Cenk Uger <laughs> when it comes to Islam. Uh-oh. Yeah, so I, I definitely have changed a bit in the past uh, two years. have talked about that honor killings in some cultures could actually predate the, that culture's conversion to Islam and be these kind of cultural artifacts and, and not necessarily uh, specifically Islamic. But then as I was glad to hear Cenk Uger admit, but these things are kind of interwoven. So let's say, yeah, um, female genital mutilation might not be specifically Muslim. Um, honor killings might not be specifically Muslim. But if you have... Uh, a culture that has a strict fundamentalist adoption or interpretation of Islam, they're probably going to use that interpretation or, or use Islam to continue to justify those barbaric uh, acts or traditions. So it gets really messy and complicated how much of some of the barbaric and backwards behavior we see in certain Islamic countries is the product of religion and how much is simply uh, cultural and predates Islam. So here, maybe even I sound like an apologist of sorts. And I know I probably sound like I'm going back and forth. That's because I'm trying to figure all this out myself. A very honest thing to say, Phil, from the past, if I do say so myself or yourself. And I've always wanted that to kind of be the spirit of the podcast, being objective, trying to sift through the facts and get as close to the truth as possible. But I think one good point that I've heard uh, atheists and secularists make is that is that we do see this kind of double standard or what I would call, uh, this is a term I recently learned, we see people behaving uh, as kind of reflexive apologists. You know, I know what I knew an apologist is. I know I know what reflexive uh, means, but I, I like that term, uh, reflexive apologist. And that's someone who basically has this knee-jerk reaction where they feel the need to defend this group they have pathos for or whatever, without open-mindedly listening to the criticism first. And I think that's what Ben Affleck was doing during that real-time appearance. He barely let Sam Harris talk. He was being incredibly rude. And it was as if he had this uh, knee-jerk response to um, defend Islam um, without even really even trying to digest what Sam Harris was saying or, or to give consideration to uh, what I thought were some really rational and cogent points made by Harris. But as I was saying, I do think that some atheists make a good point. I think it's generally considered more acceptable to, say, be critical of Christianity. And you look like you just have a problem with the uh, tenets of the faith or certain parts of Christian religious doctrine. 
But if you criticize Islam, then it's as if you're considered a bigot, even if you're just trying to make a logical critique is what you might see as its perceived failings or where maybe it needs reform or something like that. Um, and fairness, Sam Harris, he repeatedly tried to say, you know, make a distinction between being bigoted against an ethnic or racial group and being critical of a religious doctrine. And I love that at one point where Sam Harris tries to very intelligently make that point, I think, Ben Affleck doesn't have anything to say, so he's just rude, and he says something about, oh, I hear a lot of talk or something like that. Like, yeah, you're on a, sh you're on a talk show. <laughs> you're supposed to talk. The whole point of the show is people expressing their opinions. Um, and someone makes a logical, well-reasoned point, and you don't have a comeback for it, so you just insult them and be sarcastic and catty. And, and also, it's not like Sam Harris was calling for the end of Islam, a couple of times he spoke about how he thought Islam needs moderate reformers. So he's not saying we should get rid of Islam. He's saying that we probably need some kind of reformation to help get rid of the more extremist elements or some of the more harsher, draconian aspects of Islamic law or something like that. I think that maybe one of the reasons why I'm running around in circles is, is because... Maybe I'm somewhere in the middle. I kind of get the point that both sides are trying to make. But obviously, admittedly, I'm more in the Sam Harris camp. I think we need to be free to criticize religion, any religion, um, without fear of being called bigots. Because obviously there's a world of difference between criticizing someone for their quote-unquote race or ethnicity, a world of difference between that and criticizing religion. It's not as if Sam Harris or Bill Maher were criticizing someone for their racial characteristics or the color of their skin or something like that. Um, they're criticizing a doctrine or a belief system that they believe can be toxic or harmful at times. At the same time, in a bizarre way, I kind of think Ben Affleck's intentions were maybe noble. He wanted to make sure that people weren't, that a whole group wasn't being unduly vilified, and I can respect that. But he should have expressed himself in a more amiable, even-tempered, and rational way. And I mean... Maybe it's easy for me to say that. I've never been on uh, live television. And I'm sure whenever people go on live TV or live radio, they probably look back and think of all sorts of things that they could have said or done differently. But I thought, personally, he came off looking like such an impolite jackass that it's not like I was a huge Ben Affleck fan before. I really didn't have much of opinion an opinion of him. I think I saw him in... Uh, was he in Clark's? Was Ben Affleck in Clark's? Or maybe it was Clark's, too. I know he's friends with Kevin Smith. I can't even... Remember. I know I saw Clark's back in the day. But uh, Goodwill Hunting, of course. I mean, there was a couple of Ben Affleck movies I liked. Um, but I didn't really have a... I believe Ben Affleck was in uh, Clark's, too. And he was in Dogma, as well. And uh, Chasing Amy and a bunch of other 
stuff. A real opinion of him either way. But I was so offended by the way he handled himself in this interview. He just seemed so disrespectful of both people on his side of the argument and on the other side of the argument. And he came off as being rude and entitled. That was like, I don't want to ever watch a Ben Affleck movie again. That might sound a little harsh or, or extreme, but I'm just like, why would I want to sit down and watch a movie or pay to watch a movie starring someone who, who kind of uh, rubs me the wrong way or who I don't think is capable of handling themselves in a polite manner, or at least in that moment they didn't handle themselves in a polite manner. And as a guy who likes to consider himself rational, I can definitely hold these weird neurotic little grudges. I still have no interest in seeing a Ben Affleck movie. I did see that Batman versus Superman movie, but I didn't uh, pay to watch it. Um, I'm not saying any more beyond that. And uh, the whole time I remember watching Bat Ben Affleck and all I could think of was gross and racist. I think uh, Reza Aslan does a much, in fairness, Reza Aslan's a, uh, a religious scholar. Kind of. We already went over the padding the credentials thing. I mean, he's obviously a really smart, well-educated, well-read guy. I was recently, maybe just yesterday, talking about this with a friend. I don't know why people lie and exaggerate about stuff like this. All you do is make life more complicated for yourself. You're basically just shooting yourself in the foot. Because uh, this stuff has a way of getting out. And if Reza Aslan had just been truthful about his credentials from the get-go, people might say, oh, he might not have a PhD in religion, but he wrote this great book, and he certainly seems to know his stuff, and it wouldn't be have been a big deal. But now that it's out that... He may have been less than truthful, to put it nicely, about his credentials. It automatically makes people distrustful of him and his work. He would have been better off just being honest from the get-go, and he probably still just would have been judged on the merit of his, his book and his other works. But he does a much better job of defending Islam, and, and he has also been on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher a few times. It would have been great if someone like Reza Aslan was on the show. Then it still might have got a little heated, but at least we would have a rational and intelligent discourse instead of this weird kind of ugly and awkward display that we ended up with. And maybe, maybe not. If you go back and watch that old Sam Harris, Reza Aslan debate that you can find on YouTube, that gets plenty awkward and maybe even a little ugly at times, too. But enough about that. I've, I've probably rambled on so much that you feel like you don't even need to listen to the interview anymore. But I think I've said all I can about the clip, so now I'll actually play it. All right, here we go. And just to remind you again, it is kind of lengthy. It's like nine or ten minutes. Okay. Yeah, okay. So the other thing we want to talk about, of course, is that you and I have been trying to make the case, I think, I have anyway, that liberals need to stand up for liberal principles. This is what I said on last week's show. Obviously, I got a lot of hate for it. But all I'm saying is that liberal principles, like freedom of speech, freedom to practice any religion you want without fear of violence, mm -hmm. freedom to leave a religion, equality for women, uh, equality for minorities, including homosexuals. These are liberal principles. 
that liberals applaud for. But then when you say, in the Muslim world, this is what's lacking, then they get upset. Yeah, yeah. Well, liberals have really failed on the topic of theocracy. They, they, they'll, they'll criticize white theocracy. They'll criticize right. Christians. They'll still get agitated over the abortion clinic bombing that happened in 1984. But when, when you want to talk about the treatment of women and homosexuals and free thinkers and, and public intellectuals in the Muslim world, uh, I would argue that li liberals have failed us. And uh, the crucial point of confusion, uh, yeah, well, thank you. Thank God you're here. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the crucial point of confusion is that, that we have been sold this meme of Islamophobia where every criticism of the doctrine of Islam gets conflated with bigotry toward Muslims as people. Right. And that is uh, it's, it's intellectually ridiculous. Even it gets so hold on, are racist. you the person who understands the officially codified doctrine of Islam? You're uh, the interpreter well, of that, well, so you well, can say, well, I, this I'm, is, I'm I think actually, any... I'm actually well-educated on this topic. I'm, I'm asking you, so I mean, you're you, saying, if I criticize the... You're saying that Islamophobia is not a real thing. That if you're critical of something... It, well, it's not a real thing when we do it. Right. Well, well no, <laughs> it no, really no, isn't. I, I'm not denying not, that, that certain people are bigoted against Muslims as people. That's, right. And that's a that's problem. Big of you. But the... But why are you so hostile to, about this? It's, yeah. it's gross. It's racist. It's, it's not. Hostile. It's but it's so nuts. It's so. It's like saying it's those so not your shifty Jew. You're not listening Absolutely to not. what well, we are saying. You guys are saying if you want to be liberals, believe in liberal principles right. like freedom of speech, like right. um, you know we are endowed by our uh, forefathers with an inalienable life, like all men are created. No, Ben, we have to be able to criticize bad ideas. And of course we Islam, do. No liberal doesn't okay, want to okay. criticize bad ideas. But Islam why when is the mother load of bad ideas? Jesus. So we have we have that's just a fact. It's not a it is it's a, an ugly apostasy. It is it's basic liberal well, well, principles tolerance. Let me unpack it. Yeah, let me unpack but it not for intolerance. No, of course it's not. But the picture you're painting is to some extent true, but is hugely incomplete. It is certainly true that plenty of fanatics and jihadis are Muslim. But the people who are standing up to them, Malala, incredible uh, Muhammad Ali uh, Dadak in, in Iran, in prison for nine years for speaking up for Christians. Uh, a friend that I had in Pakistan who was shot this year, uh, Rashid Rahman, for defending people accused of apostasy. Okay, but Nick, or how about the more no, than a billion those, people those who are aren't fanatical, too. who don't punch well, women, who just want to go to the store, okay, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, don't do any of the things that you're saying all Muslims, wait a second, wait a second, and you're painting the whole group religion with that. No, no, let's get down to who has the right answer here. A billion people, you say. All these billion people don't hold any of these... Billion five or something. Don't hold these pernicious beliefs? No, I would, oh, well, no, they don't. That's just not true, Ben. That's just not ben, true. Can I, can I just express how I think it breaks down the, in terms the, of I, the idea? You haven't even the, the, you're, you're trying to say that these few people, that's all the problem is, these few bad apples. The idea that someone should be killed if they leave the that's Islamic... That's horrible. That should okay. Wait, wait, that, that but is wait, you're saying that the idea that Islam. someone should be killed if they leave the Islamic religion is just a few bad apples? The people who would actually believe in an act that you murder somebody if they yes. leave Islam yes. is not the majority of Muslims at okay. all. Okay, okay. Is it? Let, let me, let me you, break you, this you down for you. Okay. We have, it's, as, you as you say, we have 1.5, 1.6 billion mm -hmm. Muslims. Now, Second biggest religion in the world, a quarter. Well, ben, let me let me unpack this. Let me unpack this for you. Please do. Um, we have just imagine some concentric circles here. You have at the center, you have jihadists. These are people who wake up in the morning wanting to kill apostates, wanting to, to die trying. They believe in paradise. They Horrible believe, bad they believe people in, that, in, yeah. in martyrdom. Outside of them, we have Islamists. These are these are people who are just as convinced of martyrdom and paradise and and 
wanting to, to voice their religion on the rest of humanity, but they want to work within the system. They're not going to blow themselves up on a bus. They want to change governments. They want to use democracy against itself. That, it, that, those two circles arguably are 20% of the Muslim world. Okay, this is, this is not what the fringe of the fringe. What are you basing that research on? A, a bunch of poll results that we can talk about. So uh, to, to give you one point of contact, 78% of British Muslims think that the Danish cartoonists should have been prosecuted. 78%. So I'm being conservative when I roll this back to 20%. But outside of that circle, you have conservative Muslims who are, can, can, write, can honestly look at ISIS and say that, that does not represent us, we're, that we're horrified by that, but they hold views about human rights and about women and about homosexuals that are deeply troubling. So, so they, these are not Islamists, they're not jihadists, but they... But they Indeed, those they, are views are anathema to ours. And, but, and, and, but, but they also keep women and homosexuals immiserated in these cultures, and we have to empower the true reformers in the Muslim world yeah. to, to change it. And, oh, what, what, and lying about the, the, the link yeah, between okay. doctrine and, and but, behavior but, is not yeah. going to do that. A lot but of the, talk. the great divide... Um, the great divide is not between Islam and the rest. It's right. rather between the fundamentalists right. and the moderates in each faith. Okay, but we're misled to think that the fundamentalists are the fringe. Okay, we have jiha jihadists, That's Islamists, and point. conservatives. Well, and by the so way, there's hundreds so where, of millions just of people. To, just that say, you're saying that, the, that the, the, the strongest voices are coming from those who are jihadists and extremists, and that, are, that represents yes. a bigger piece yes. of the pie than we often Th think is true. There's no question. Okay, about so that. having said that, and, and if you, it, even if that is true statistically or otherwise, the key thing to recognize that I don't think is part of the argument, but I think should be, is that there are voices that are oftentimes uh, raised uh, in opposition to these jihadists yes. and to these extreme acts. But guess what? They don't get covered. They don't get exposed. And they're not given the same, well, they level, of uh, one the same level of platform um, that we see the jihadists One reason get. they don't get exposed is because they're afraid to speak out. Because that's it's the only, oh. it's the, because it's the only it. religion that acts like the mafia that will fucking kill you that's, if you say the wrong true. thing, I mean, draw the wrong picture, or write the wrong book. So you do yeah. have, and that's, yeah. that's, you do have, but this, there's a reason why Ayan Hirsi Ali needs bodyguards 24-7. Yeah. You do have that element of fear as well, but you also have other braver souls out there who do speak out, and who, like, and like who are the, risking their lives risking to those, do that. Like the, like the, uh, the Muslim uh, clerics yeah. and, and others in, from Australia to, to Europe to the United States just recently, publicly put their names on paper declare, declaring their opposition to what ISIS and, and others yeah, are doing. We need, so we there are that. those voices, but where was the coverage? Yeah. Where, was, where was that story to sort well, of create a different okay, picture? Well, what is your solution? What, what is your ask? No, just the, condemn the, the, Islam? The solution, the no, 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 the solution to, is very to, to much what, what We've killed more Muslims than they've killed no, us by not, an awful lot. We've we invaded more Muslims. I'm not for more killers. Yet somehow we're exempted from these things because they're not really a reflection of what we believe in. We did by accident. That's why we invaded Iraq. Okay. We're not convincing anybody. It's not that I'm specifically okay. telling you that I disagree uh, with what you think. I, don't yeah, actually I understand know. My and, and we're obviously not convincing I don't understand anybody it. of the you don't understand fact, my argument. You know, well, your argument well, is like, you know, black people, you know, they show no, each no, other. That is not my argument. No, it's not. It's based no. on facts. I can show you a pew poll of Egyptians. They are not outliers in the Muslim world that say like 90% of them believe death is the appropriate response to leaving the religion. If 90% of Brazilians thought that death was the appropriate response yeah. to leaving Catholicism, yeah. you would think it was a bigger deal. I would think it's a big deal no matter what. No okay, matter but what. that's the fact. You don't. But what I would do is say it's all Brazilians, or I 
wouldn't say, well, Ted Bundy did this. God damn, these gays are all trying to eat each other. You know? there, okay, let, let me just give you what you want. There are hundreds of millions of Muslims who are nominal Muslims, who don't take the faith seriously, who don't want to kill apostates, who are horrified by mm -hmm. ISIS, and we need to defend these people, prop them up, and let them reform Dude, you're right. talking, ISIS like couldn't fill right. a double-A ballpark in Charleston, West Virginia, and you were making a career no, out no. of ISIS, ISIS, ISIS. But no, 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 it's global. It's a phenomenon of global jihad. I, I think that's the opposite. There, there, there is those things. There's ISIS. There's global jihadists. The question is the degree to which you're willing to say, because I've witnessed this behavior, which we all object to on the part of these people, I'm willing to flatly condemn not, those not, of you I don't know willing. and have never met. No, this is not based condemning on people. It's yeah, ideas. And, you gotta make and people who believe in those yes, ideas. So it's based, those people who believe in Based no, on reality, Ben. We're not action. making it up that there is that in the Muslim world it is mainstream belief. But this Main is such a caricature of it Indonesia, of Malaysia, okay, wait a so minute. much of the world. And this does have the tinge a little bit of the way white racists talk about African Americans and define blacks by but what you're saying is because they are, are a minority, we shouldn't make we shouldn't we shouldn't criticize that, that, as that much of a minority, the second biggest religion in the world. Exactly, but they're but you're treating them like a minority. I mean, if Filipinos were capturing teenagers and sending them into white slavery, we would criticize that. We wouldn't say, you well, they're Filipinos. You criticize the people who were doing it, not the Philippines. So there you have it, kind of uh, tense, kind of heated, right? And one thing I realized while I was listening back to the audio is that Affleck doesn't seem nearly as bad without the visuals. You don't get the added effect of his aggressive body language stressed out gratuitous face rubbing etc i don't even know if i'm supposed to do this but i uploaded a video version to the weekend out youtube channel and you can get there either by going to youtube and searching for the weekend doubt or you can also go to the weekend out facebook page and i posted a link there and wow i've been at it for almost an hour now and man, I'm getting tired. Yeah, I hear you. Phil and the presence getting tired too. They're a uh, third person again. Just remind myself of Seinfeld when George starts losing it and talking about himself in the third person. George likes spicy chicken. Uh, that only makes sense if you're a Seinfeld fan. Uh, okay, but there it was my review of myself uh, talking about that old Sam Harris. Ben Affleck, Real Time with Bill Maher, debacle, one of the great spectacles of the modern age. Well, <laughs> even though I just got out of bed not long ago, I'm too tired to even do the shameless plugs, blah, 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 Twitter, Patreon. Uh, <laughs> see you guys um, next week. All right. Thanks for listening or watching. She's in love with the devil.